Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I believe in something called the retire wealthy approach or something like that. I don't even know what I believe. It's just, to me, retirement's about dignity. To me, retirement is about choices. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I probably have a little less fun now than I did 10, 15 years ago. As I get closer to retirement, I'm thinking, like, wow, I really want to have all the money that I can have in retirement and not really put, be put in a stressful situation. Um, I have family members, and I know a lot of people in retirement. I work very closely with CFP Chad Burton. I'm kind of the front end. He's kind of the back end. But between the, the people that I see coming in and the people I see him manages, there's a, there's a difference between retirement. There's good ones and there's bad ones. So I want people to save as much as possible, and the people I want to save the most are the youngest, because that's when it's easiest. Um, I had a good friend who, uh, she was totally in love with a boyfriend, fiancé, and then she kind of met me, and I think I messed things up, because she basically dumped him. They had been engaged for about six years, and he borrowed 30000 to pay off his student debt, and then he borrowed... $30,000 in credit cards again. So she's kind of saying, oh boy, this guy's going to be a spender. And she knew that she wanted to have kids one day. And she looked at me, I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> no way, no thanks. Um, I didn't say that because she's an incredibly lovely person. Incredibly lovely. Um, so she ends up finding another guy and they fall in love and, you know, you could follow their travels where they're going to New York, they're going to Mexico, they're going to L.A., and they're doing white raves and stuff like that and dancing. See, I'm not a dancer. I, the dancing that I do is like classic ballet. I don't do hip-hop, you know? Uh, just not me. So they're doing all the raves and stuff like that, and uh, that's like year one. Year two, they're engaged and married, and year three, they got a little baby. A berber. And she's the person I want to help most get to a million dollars because um, she didn't save anything really in her 20s. She works at a company where she has been able to put money into a 401k. She's done very, very, very well with that because she's a good saver. 
but you know, I, I think that baby thing in her head, the biological clock was always going to be an issue, not an issue, a blessing, but a very expensive blessing. So a baby's going to cost you about $250,000, a marriage, you know, 20000 30000 um, The good old days of passionate love and traveling the country and going to white raves are over once you have that kid. Um, not necessarily one kid, but two kids, it's over. And it's like a, it's like a cliche CBS comedy, right? <laughs> Where the guy becomes fat and unhappy and she's cute and clever and skinny and, well, the kids have ruined everything. So, um, anyway, where, what I'm really trying to get at that is you need to march to about $1 million. And the best way to do that is a 401k plan or an IRA. Um, and put in as much as you can. Social Security is going to be about $1,500 a month in your latter years, and that's basically going to cover your health care costs. So what's going to cover your housing costs? What's going to cover your vacation costs? What's going to cover your uh, emergencies? So the millennial march to a million. If you're Generation X and you're 40 and you haven't saved anything, you're going to work till the day you die. Um, and at this point in time, you're trying to augment poverty. You're not trying to fulfill wealth and retirement. So, so get that in your head. If you're 40 and you've saved nothing, you're going to work until the day you die. Best case scenario, you're going to augment poverty, um, but not by a lot. And it depends on your health and it depends on how long you're going to live. I work with a guy who, he's on the bigger side and he's had some heart issues. There's a very good chance he works till he dies. And may, that may be his best retirement plan because he hasn't saved a lot for retirement. He may like that. Uh, one of the best things my father did for my mother was kick over and have a heart attack five years from retirement. And when he had a heart attack, he didn't die. They found cancer. They took out most of his lung, left lung, and then some of his right lung. And then five years later, he was dead from cancer again. And no zombies. You know, he's not coming back. Nothing nothing like that's going to happen. Um but that was one of the best things he did because he worked basically until he died. And therefore, they didn't have to live off his nest egg. She does. And that's why she's going to have enough to last till the day she dies. Hopefully. Uh, if she dies in like the next year. No, not next year. Hopefully if she dies before she turns like 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98. And she doesn't have longevity in her life, in her parents. Both died very early, all things considered. Well, no, her mother lived a long time. That's incorrect. And her mother lived a long time with dementia, uh, what I used to call old-timer's disease, Alzheimer's disease, because I didn't, wasn't able to pronounce it as a kid. Um, I know, you're saying, I wish you were my child. I know, I know. I'm that kind of cute. Um, I had blonde hair, blue eyes, and, you know, I was a soccer standout. Uh, I can whistle. You're switched on. You're a bit of all right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So where do you put your money? When you're in your 20s and 30s, you put it in as much growth as you can, if you can. And by growth, I'm not talking crazy. I'm not saying you have to only own Amazon and Netflix. No. S&P 500, fine by me. Um, Russell 3000, Russell 2000, fine by me. Wilshire 5000, Russell 3000, great. All four of those are relatively diversified. They're not the end-all, be-all. You may say, hey, what about 
uh, in this cycle, shouldn't banks do well? They should. But knowing that they should, it turns into that ifs and buts. If ifs and buts were candy nuts, so what a party would have, right? So I don't want you to live in poverty. I don't want you to be impoverished. I want you to look at down markets as an opportunity. And like I said, if you're over 40 and you haven't saved yet, you're probably going to work till the day you die, or you need to come to like some realization that's going to be true. Unless, literally, uh, you were spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year on your kid's education, now you can put that towards your retirement. So, um, so that's what I got for your March to a million. A million dollars will pay about $40,000 a year in income, roughly. Depends on how you spend it, depends on how you invest it. Um, and then you add in that $1,500 a month in Social Security. So 40000 a year, and again, that's pre-tax. Uh, so let's call that $30,000. Uh, let's call it thirty six. So let's say you get $3,000 a month plus that fifteen. That's 4500 a month. Now you're starting to look like I could live off that. But $1,500 just off Social Security, eh-eh, not gonna, not gonna, not gonna make it. Um, I miss George Bush Jr., don't you, I mean, look back at all of our presents. Haven't we been nervous about all of them? Haven't we? Um, wasn't, you know, Bill Clinton kind of a bubba uh, from the mountains? You know, he wasn't perceived as going to be great. And then I think the last person we thought was credible was probably George Bush Sr. Before him, you had Ronald Reagan, who was an actor from California. Then you had George Bush Jr., who didn't look like the smartest. Uh, Obama looked just incredibly inexperienced. So we're always nervous about our presidents is what I'm coming down to. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Got seminars coming up. Got much going on. Talk to you soon. Into that song, cause it hurts just right till everything is gone tonight. Never, never mind, bleeding heart, bleeding heart. Never, never mind your bleeding heart. Never, never mind, bleeding heart, bleeding heart. Never, never mind your bleeding heart. Call Rob Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Someday you'll grow up and you'll forget. I'm Rob Black, and I have to admit this. I've been to a Regina Spector concert. And a lot of times you'll hear me say things on the show like, I'm lucky that I was born white, born on a coast, born to parents that expected me to go to college. Keep in mind, they had six kids. I was number five out of six, and they expected us all to go to college. And I grew up in Iowa, where my daddy might have been a farmer, and he might have said, you know what? Go be an insurance guy. That's good enough. So I think I've had some privilege in my life. There was one moment in my life where I felt like a minority, and that was at the Regina Spectre concert. And it was pretty uncomfortable. I was the only guy there. And I was the only guy who brought a girlfriend. And the women that were there brought girlfriends. 
but I think you're getting at where I'm getting at. And it was uncomfortable. It shouldn't be, but it was. And I, I don't think I was treated terribly well. Like, I'd go to the bathroom, and there's no line for the men's bathroom, and they'd look at me like, we're coming in there. I'm like, okay. Um, just a moment where I felt pretty awkward. And again, that's not bad. So I feel horrible for minorities in the United States, because I don't think it's the Statue of Liberty. I think at times it's the Statue of Bigotry. I, I don't think it's open doors to everyone. I don't think everyone's born into the same options. And again, just your parents and their expectations for you to succeed. That's a huge one. Um, I've got a friend who, um, she kind of grew up and she went to high school and that was as far as her education was going to go. And she got, did a little bit of real estate secretarial work. Guess what? That's what she expects of her daughter. She doesn't expect her daughter to go to college. And, you know, you got to break these cycles sometimes, in my opinion. So, anyway, um, if, you, if you don't think privilege exists, I think you're wrong. So, we could disagree. So, and I do think that it is a land of opportunity. I think everyone could succeed if they find the right ways to do it and push hard enough. Um, I will tell you that I'm the king of financial radio and it's not because I'm smarter than you it's because I work harder than you I'm kind of a big deal and anyone that wants to take over my big deal and drink lots of scotchy scotch scotch and your belly 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 all you have to do is work really really hard it's you know I once told Michael Phelps' mother, she said, my son has a heart of a champion. I'm like, no, your son has, has webbed feet and hands. He threw them in the, in the, in the, in the pool for 12,000 hours when he was a kid when he should have been watching the Flintstones. Uh, when he should, he was basically becoming a, an aquatic mammal. Um, and it's doing stuff a lot again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And then, you know, also I have that theory that, Sometimes you take a pie in the face, and sometimes you're hip deep in pie. I love pie, but sometimes you have to take chances, and I'm okay. You know, I fail at a lot of things that I do, like my diet right now. I'll give my own rim shots because uh, my rim shot guy is a union guy, and he's on break right now. So <laughs> oh, he's back. A um, couple things to become successful. To avoid becoming broke in retirement, you have to conquer your fear of stocks. Um, and the best way I can explain this is, at some point in time, you got to kind of like suck it up. You can't go if you're saying things like, oh, "Banks always win, stock market always you're always going to lose in the stock market. It's just a matter of time." Um, my brother Michael said to me 25 years ago, uh, competitive family. Keep this in mind. He goes, "Well, when the stock market cracks, you'll be out of that business." 25 years later, I'm still in the business, and he's in the late nine in the year, yeah, yeah, um, late 80s, early 90s. And there's a saving and loans thrift, uh, thrift crisis, um, and a lot of banks went under, and the stock market really struggled, which led to the greatest period of time ever in the stocks from 92 to 2000. Guess what, my brother Michael did? He sold his stocks in 89, 92. Never got back in. He's gonna work till the day he dies. Uh, let's go to a phone call. Let's see who we have. Vic in San Jose. Hello, hello, Vic. I have a, I have a question for you. Um, what do you think are the top five stock picks for the Trump presidency for the next five years? Um, yeah, I don't really have 
a, a quote-unquote list of top picks because it really depends on what you need. What I said last year, um, and thanks for the call, is I said, you know, take a look at financials because interest rates are going to be moving higher. Now, we thought interest rates were going to move four times last year. That's what was expected. They only moved once. But financials were the biggest winner. Um, I don't know what Trump's going to succeed at or fail at. So clearly infrastructure plays if he gets a trillion-dollar uh, budget through, uh, stimulus package, or if he gets $200 billion. It's still a lot of spending, but one's a lot more. Um, I still like regional banks, um, very, very much so. Um, not too long ago, I bought some Nike. I'm not expecting to make any money on it this year. Um, so I'm not really a, a stock list guy tied towards Trump. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Trump's was talking about repealing Obamacare. Today, they're talking about, wait, 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 we're in no rush to repeal that. So to me, Trump is kind of a... Kind of like Tinkerbell. He's kind of a, made things worse. He's kind of a figure that may or may not be real. Well, I guess Tinkerbell definitely is not real, but um, I don't know what he's going to bring to the table, and I don't know what he's going to be able to get passed through. Um, I think the dollar is likely to continue to rise against the euro, and I think investment strategies should be thinking that way. Um, clearly, if you're wanting to stay with the whole Trump idea concept, You'd say small cap stocks, but they've had such a big move. But wait, they had such large underperformance for two to three years against large cap dividend paying stocks. Um, obviously, any multinational you should be afraid of, including Nike, including Apple, including anyone like Gap who makes clothes overseas, they could all get tariffs tied towards them. Now, if that happens, you're looking at a global recession, at which point in time, it's time to like panic and go a different direction. Um, because now you're talking instead of stock ideas to be involved in long, you're talking about shorts. And um, I don't think that's what you really want to be at. So 800-516-1220. I'll keep you in suspense. Thank you, Donald. Um, you know, I think right now Dow 20,000 is pretty intriguing. I think some of the dogs of the Dow are pretty intriguing. Um, Verizon, um, Merck are interesting value ideas. Um, I think Chevron's got some upside if this whole oil thing sticks, the whole oil thing being OPEC and their cuts. I, I think I've said enough. <laughs> I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I can see you staring at the windows at night. But don't you fret my name. Call Rob Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Super excited to talk to Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. It's been a little while, so to speak. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Happy New Year to you. That's what I'm implying. It's been a while. Um, I had a couple of weeks where it kind of snuck in some skin um, along with the holidays. So what have we missed? What's the start of the year looking like, sir? Well, we've gotten off to a reasonably good start. Um, I think it was more or less a continuation of that uh, positive bias we saw uh, dominating at the end of 2016, and it kind of has uh, has fit the script in in some respects. Uh, everyone's just sort of riding this wave until uh, till we get to the inauguration, I suppose, and then everyone's gonna take a step back and wait and see if the uh, the reality lives up to the fantasy right now. And that reality is going to be kind of told likely in the first 100 days when Congress works together with the president to kind of set a tone as well as get through what they can get through. Uh, so the first 100 days should be interesting to say the least. But how about earnings season? How's that going to kind of run into the the presidential elect's uh, plans? Sure. That's, you know, all fits neatly into the picture here uh, in terms of, you know, what I'm referencing you know, does the does the reality live up to the expectation, right? And uh, sure. you know, two things are going to have to shine through really uh, in coming months. That being the earnings guidance, uh, as well as the the economic data uh, supporting these heightened growth expectations that uh, that just carry the indices um, extremely high into year end, and so. Uh, so we get the the start of the fourth quarter earnings reporting season. Uh, really, this Friday you've got Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo all slated to uh, to report results. Uh, and then the following week, you know, you'll see things really uh, pick up in earnest with um, uh, you know with a lot of technology companies coming out as well. So um, you know, it's not so much I think what we hear about the fourth quarter report that's really going to be important here uh, for the market, uh, what's going to be important is what these um, uh, executives are saying about the first quarter outlook as, as well as the full year outlook. Um, I suspect that tonality will be reasonably good um, with uh, these executives citing some confidence in the outlook, but nonetheless trying to temper that that hope with uh, you know the recognition that there are some headwinds still, uh, namely the stronger dollar for multinational companies, uh, as well as some still you know relatively weak levels of growth abroad, um, and and of course the uncertainty that surrounds these uh, advertised policies you know from the Trump administration. And there's been a lot of talk, certainly has been no action yet, uh, and not a lot of quantification behind what those policies are. So I think um, you might hear a number of these executives kind of sort of mimic what the Federal Reserve was saying, uh, you know, at their last meeting, which is they're just, you know, they see the upside risks that are potentially embedded in in fiscal stimulus, uh, but they're in a wait-and-see mode to determine exactly what that stimulus is going to look like. So for the boys at the gym, I have to ask, when are we going to hit down 20,000? <laughs> your column today, it's not going to happen soon because Citigroup downgrades Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs cut travelers to sell. Chevron got downgraded. So you mentioned that in your page one column that yeah. some of the companies that could lead us are getting downgrades after big runs. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, those are 
those are reasonable calls, really. You know, when you see uh, stocks like Goldman Sachs, you know, go up thirty percent or so in a, in a you know six weeks' time or something, um, you can make a, a good argument that a lot of good news has been priced in already. Perhaps more good news than should have been priced in. And with respect to you know when when the Dow hits twenty thousand. I think ultimately that answer will rest in the guidance we hear coming out of this first quarter earnings reporting period. Um, you know, having said that, this market does some crazy things every now and then. You know, who knows? It could be there by the end of the day. It could be there by, you know, tomorrow. You just don't know. But I think qualitatively a lot of investors are, are you know, waiting to hear again whether uh, the post-election run in many of these stocks uh, is going to be validated by the by the earnings outlook. So uh, if we can come through the first few weeks uh, of the earnings reporting period here in relatively good shape, um, you know, I could make an argument that we, we would see the Dow, you know, take out 20,000 during that period. Um, however, if you, you know, see some cautious guidance early on, um, then we may still be, you know, talking about it uh, several weeks out from now. So the tone of Meryl Streep going after Donald Trump, is there any chance that that could bleed over into a pretty happy and healthy consumer right now? Could I'm trying to get at this because everyone on Facebook that I know is so negative right now. If they're so negative, aren't they going to like kind of ruin our economy by holding up and not spending? Well, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like maybe a little bit of separation of church and state, right? You have to, have to separate yep. politics from actual activity in terms of what you know what you're doing. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, a lot of people are going to are going to speak their moral voice in public, um, but they're going to you know vote with their wallet in private, so to speak, right? So if they have more money in their pocket, they're feeling better about job security. Uh, it, it, I don't think someone's not going to spend simply because Donald Trump is president, right? I think that they're going to um, feel better about spending on the things, they, the goods and services that they would like to spend on, whether they're wants or needs. But at the end of the day, it's ultimately about income. You know, it always trumps confidence, no pun intended there, but it always trumps confidence as a driver of spending. So, um, so if, if wages are going up, personal income is increasing, uh, then I think there's good potential there for that to uh, flow through in the consumer spending numbers that would help drive stronger levels of GDP activity. Um, all the while, you know, people will say what they say uh, about how they feel about um, certain individuals and in, in seats of leadership. What are you working on, Mr. O'Hara, that adds color to what we've been talking about today? Anything that we we're missing? Uh, well, you know, this week uh, I will be working on doing a, you know, a uh, little bit more involved fourth quarter uh, earnings reporting period preview, um, picking up on on some of the things we did talk about today. Really, just the the, the main point being that uh, the guidance is going to be the important component coming out of that out of that uh, reporting period, and um, you know, and it all just fits into this this narrative really that is going to persist, I think, throughout. The first half of the year here, anyway, is, is whether you know the earnings uh, guidance, the actual earnings themselves, and whether the incoming economic data does in fact corroborate the really strong run we saw at the end of 2016 that was predicated on a lot of pro-growth optimism. Um, and if it does not, then you know you probably see the market 
you know, settle back into this period of consolidation everyone's been talking about that's overdue. Uh, and then you just, hit, uh, you, know, you kind of hit the pause button and, and let more time unfold to see where the market heads and what the policies that uh, have been talked about, what they actually will look like and whether and when they will be enacted. Now, Briefing.com is the company that you work with, and Briefing has many, many services. They've got growth stock ideas. They've got value ideas. They've got small cap ideas. They've got story stocks tied towards the IPO stories. Uh, you do the big picture. You do the page one. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role at Briefing.com. Sure. Well, I'm the chief market analyst here, and so each day it uh, is incumbent upon me to to provide the insight to our readers that uh, you know lends perspective on you know why the market's doing what it's doing relative to uh, the news that has unfolded you know on a day-to-day basis, while also taking stock of that you know that bigger picture viewpoint. You know, how do all of these day-to-day interactions, headline interactions, gel to influence the longer-term outlook? So I do that by way of the page one comment that's written daily, uh, and then I provide some more macro-oriented commentary through my big picture column uh, that's posted every Friday. Uh, And then in addition to that, I'll provide some spot analysis during the day to our popular in-play page, uh, just giving some, you know, perspective on, you know, why the market is doing what it's doing, you know, what are some of the key movers of the day. Um, and then I'll supplement that also with some commentary on, on Fed actions um, through, uh, through our Fed brief page. Um, and I also update all of our, our economic uh, uh, data and, and comment on the economic releases uh, as they come out in a real-time basis. Not that you're in the business of predictions, but if you were to predict 2017 – uh, up year, down year, good year, bad year? You know, I, I suspect that it will be an up year uh, because I think what we're going to see unfold throughout most of the years, that in years past, everyone's been riding this so-called Fed put. Uh, I think this year the market will be riding the Trump put. Uh, it's going to take time to get this legislation enacted that, uh, that invo- invites this pro-growth um, environment. Uh, and while it could be messy at times, I think the market will continue to hold out hope all things considered, based on what we know now, uh, that these policies will be favorable uh, from a business standpoint and from an earnings standpoint, and might use that as a basis to kind of keep, you know, uh, keep supporting this buy-the-dip effort uh, that keeps the market underpinned for the most part. Another up year means at some point in time we're going to have to have it down here. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find great information, non-biased information both international and domestic markets at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. It's good to have them back on the air. You got me drugged up. You got me undone. Falling in love like you do. And if you like. It's easy to get complacent about retirement planning when the stock market is soaring to record highs. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. To win the race, you need to take the right steps along the way. Learn winning strategies from me, Rob Black, and certified financial planner, Chad Burton, at an educational lunch event in Berkeley on February 9th. We'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio and break down the 2017 market outlook. You'll also learn how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to minimize tax and retirement, social security strategies, and more. And get estate planning tips for 2017 from attorney Michelle Lerman. 
That's Thursday, February 9th, 11 a.m. lunch at the Berkeley Marina Doubletree. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for just $25 or free for KDOW listeners using the promo code RETIRE123. Hope to see you Thursday, February 9th. Once again, sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Free for KDOW listeners using promo code RETIRE123. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Got a seminar coming out that you can sign up for in February. Can announce one in March. Going to try to cut down on those this year, but also try and hit some areas that I haven't hit in a long time. For instance, it's February, it's going to hit Berkeley. Um, so that's going to be a lunch event in March. It's going to be an evening event in Los Gatos. So if you have a desire for me to come out and chit-chat with you, bring CFP Chad Burton and talk money, investing, and more, I will be there. I don't speculate on gold, and I don't really look for bonds to solve my problems. Now, my problems are getting enough money for retirement, and bonds are a great way to protect in down markets. Um, I don't want protection in down market. I'm okay with it. I'm a big boy. Some people want that protection. We're all different investors. So know that. Now, why don't I like gold? Gold just sits there and looks ugly to me. I don't even think it's pretty. Um, give me platinum long before you give me gold. Uh, but not as an investment, as something pretty to look at. So the financial security of gold seems silly to me. And there's storage costs tied towards it. There's fees tied towards buying it and selling it. Um, so I'm not I'm not that big into it. Now, you can go after something like a Barrett Gold or Newmont Mining if you think that you want to play on gold as far as uh, the price as well as the demand in the world. Not my thing, especially not if we're looking at potentially higher interest rates. Um, goodbye, Yahoo. Hello, Altaba. Altaba. Sound like a bad guy in a James Bond flick. Um, Marissa Mayer, Marissa Meyer, is going to resign from the board after the Verizon deal closes. So that's looking more and more like it's coming up. Credit card and auto loan delinquencies are rising. Um, this is bad because we have a pretty good job market. We've got fatter paychecks. Americans should be better off than they've been in years, and yet the statistics are saying delinquencies rose in the third quarter. The Consumer Credit Delinquency Bulletin that comes out by the American Bankers Association, it tracks 11 different loan categories, and credit card and auto loans are creeping up. Um, One area that I want you to be very conscious of, and there's a really nice piece written about it today in the LA Times, And you typically don't hear me talk a lot about the LA Times. I'll typically talk about the New York Times. I'll typically talk about the Wall Street Journal. I'll talk about Barron's. But the LA Times did a nice piece today on tariffs and Chinese markets. And, you know, it starts the piece off talking about, you know, an American American boss, a guy named David Reed, who he's scared. He buys 
denim and he makes jeans, but all of his denim comes from Chinese factories. And he thinks it would be disastrous if the production lines in China got into a trade war with the U.S. demand and getting into a situation where we may be seeing 5% tariffs or as high as 40% tariffs. So I thought that was pretty interesting to chit-chat a little bit about, but it's a great article. It's a real long article, too. Um, Elsewhere, at CES, uh, Fitbit is showing off some new services. And Fitbit's one of those publicly traded stocks that I feel it's going to go the way of Palm Pilot. The PDA, not the Personal Display of Affection, but the Personal Digital Assistant. I know there's a lot of acronyms in the world that kind of start to confuse you. People who start kissing their cell phones even makes it even tougher to figure out, right? Um, Have you ever kissed your cell phone? I have. Awkward as it may be, um, it was on a moment of ayahuasca where things were coming out of my body on basically every opening and I decided, hey, my phone looks really pretty. Okay, I've never been on ayahuasca, but I thought I'd make up that story to see if I could pull it off and I couldn't. So Fitbit has said they're getting into some new services. Um, they're going to try to get into software that could provide more revenue. They're getting into some partnerships with United Healthcare in which the insurer would essentially pay people up to $1,500 a year for hitting designated fitness targets. Um, I find that kind of interesting because a health insurance company, why not? You know, They know that if you're 30 pounds overweight, you're going to be expensive to them. Same thing with a car insurance company. Why not get a discount or cash back if we allow the insurance company, car insurance company, to put a tracker in our car to, and anytime we speed, we pay more. Anytime we don't speed, we pay less. Uh, we will move into worlds like that in your lifetime in the next 10 years. Um, because the huge amount of data out there is easy to work with now that we've got a huge amount of computers that can process it all. So if your fitness tracker could say you ran 10 miles yesterday, uh, your insurance company is going to want to get in on that. Verizon Communications, the news today, they're doing away with their two-year service contracts for both new and existing customers, and they're going to require them to sign up for equipment installment plans. Now, this is kind of interesting in the sense that the end of the two-year contract, initially you may go, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Um, because you never trust anything a phone company does, right? Um, so you have to check in on it, in my opinion. So the price of the cell phone is separate from the price of the wireless service. And with an EIP, which again stands for uh, Equipment Installment Plan, uh, when push comes to shove you own your phone when it's paid off. And you can now take that phone somewhere else and do a different contract. Now, with that being said, what's kind of cool about it is um, you also see your, if you're paying 20 bucks a month for two years in an equipment installment plan, then it, you could figure out the math on that, you know, $500 roughly. At the end of that two years, you stop paying 20 bucks a month and you see your bill go down. Um, so they're kind of playing catch-up ultimately with some of the other players out there. A little sticker shock, a little nausea. Um, The actual sales of augmented reality, virtual reality gear um, are very low. So most of the capable headsets have been sluggish uh, sales-wise. So held back by high costs. No must-have content. Um, And it's just expensive. 
So with that said, I'm Rob Black. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, you can check out newfocusfinancial.com. Great website for financial planning issues. Mm-hmm.